You know, several years ago, um, the staff had a discussion on how we might go about raising awareness within our fellowship of the various ministry opportunities that we have here that they can be a part of, that they can help out in. I never wanted to be one of those churches, and you know, my church exposure has been minimal, though I've been in church all of my life. I've only been in several churches in that time frame, and I never wanted to be one of those churches that always got up on Sunday morning and just begged for more help. How many have ever been in a church like that? Like they just never had enough workers and they got up every Sunday and said, we need help in this ministry and we have a need in this ministry and please come help. And sometimes it would go on week in and week out, the same ministry. And I always thought in my heart that that was kind of a defeatist attitude. And I thought to myself, what kind of message is that going to send to everyone that is visiting here, that is a guest here. You know, what are they thinking in themselves? You know, what is so bad about this church that they have all of these ministries, but nobody wants to get involved? So through the years, I really struggled with using Sunday morning to recruit more and more workers. And I just thought that it really sent the wrong kind of a message. And so we really began a discussion of how we could kind of put that into one day. And out of that discussion came the I Love My Church Sunday. And then we began to discuss what would be the one Sunday that we would do this. If we're going to choose one Sunday out of the course of the year, which would be the most strategic Sunday? And after a lot of prayer... After a lot of consideration, we all agreed that this Sunday, the first Sunday in February, would probably be the best Sunday of the year. And some of you may think, well, why is that? And I'll give you the couple of reasons. First of all, it's still close enough to the beginning of the year that you're capturing the attention of those that are returning to church after maybe being away for a long time and are looking for a way to reconnect, to immediately get involved. But we also thought it would be a good idea because it comes right on the heels of our 21-day fast. You think about it. For the last 21 days, prayerfully, you have been praying for the church, that God would use the church, that God would work in the church. Well, now we're giving you an opportunity to put some muscle behind those prayers, to to put some legs on those prayers. Because you know as well as I do, we are all guilty of seeing a need and saying, I'll be praying about that, but we don't want to do anything to be a part of the answer to that prayer. And it's just a cop-out I have found. Yes, we need your prayers, but we need your time. We need your resources. We need you to look for ways to plug into what we're doing here at Bethel so that we can do what we're called to do in even a more effective way and that we can go beyond what we're currently doing and do greater things for the glory and for the honor of Almighty God. So that's kind of where we are today. And if you are a guest here this morning, I'm glad you're here. Now I'm going to ask you on one hand to cut us a little slack and give us a little bit of break and don't judge us too hard because this is going to be a different Sunday. This would not be a typical Sunday here at Bethel. And so I would ask that you come back and see us again. But on the other hand, I'm really glad you're here because today you're going to get a glimpse 
of what we're doing here at Bethel. You're going to get a glimpse of our heart. You're going to get a glimpse of what we want to do and, and what we pray will be done in the future. So it gives you an idea of our church and gives you an opportunity to put your finger on the pulse of this church and know what we're all about and what we would love to be doing in the future for the glory and for the honor of God. So I just would ask you for the next few moments, if this is your first time with us, just to sit back and just let the Lord speak to your heart. We've had a number of people that have connected with this church because they're very first Sunday was I love my church and they were sold on that this was the place that God wanted them to be because the vision that God had put in our heart is something that God had laid in their heart and they wanted to be a part of it for the glory and for the honor of God well through the years we have called this I love my church and I realize that this is probably the most, not the most creative slogan that you've ever heard. And even through the years, people have come to us and said, couldn't we come up with something that's a little more uh, attention-grabbing? Isn't there something a little more creative that we could come up with? But I've always loved the simplicity of I love my church. Because locked within that simplicity is also some very profound things for us to consider. First of all, it says, I love my church for obvious reasons. We love our church. And I had, how many of you love coming to Bethel on Sunday? Amen? We're, we're glad. We love our church. And I'm going to tell you this, and I know some of you are going to say, well, of course you're going to say that. You're the pastor. Well, it is true that I'm the pastor, but I don't have to say this. I say it because I truly believe it. If I were not the pastor here at Bethel, this is the kind of church that I would be looking for. And there are a lot of reasons why I feel that way. I I love our church because I believe that our church, and you heard it a lot on the video, is a very friendly church, that it is a church you can come into, and the very first time you can immediately meet people that are going to love on you and are going to greet you and are going to warmly accept you no matter what your background is. And, And I believe that that is true right across the board. I love this church because I believe it's a very accessible church. And what I mean by that is if you want to get involved, you can get involved. We have done everything we can to tear down walls and to make it accessible. The pastors are accessible, the elders, the deacons, their families are accessible. Uh, Getting involved in ministry is very easy. You can do some very simple things within short order to get right into the flow of the church. And for people that would challenge that and say, well, I don't know how accessible it is. May I just remind you that every Monday night at my house, I have a group of men. And though I couldn't have all the men that come to Bethel come to my home, um, we certainly have an open door policy. And we have a number of men that come into my house and have been coming to my house for at least 12 years on a Monday evening. How many other pastors do you know that would open up their home and let men come in and just have that time with them. And so we're an accessible church. I love our church because I believe our church is is committed to preaching the unadulterated word of Almighty God. I, I love our church for that. I love our church because I believe we're striving to be Pentecostal within a 21st century context. And that isn't always easy. It really isn't. But we're committed to bringing men and women into the presence of Almighty God so that they can experience a God who personally loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. Well, I could go on and on, but there are many reasons that I love this church. 
Now, you know what's interesting about love? And I've been thinking about this throughout the course of the week. And I know that some of you are going to get a little tense when I say this. But I think that all of you that are reasonable would agree with me. The funny thing about love is that you can love someone deeply. You can love someone intimately. You can love someone disinterestedly, as we have often said. You can love someone selflessly and still not love everything about them. Am I right or am I right? Come on, say amen. I mean, you can love them deeply and still not love everything about them. It doesn't change the fact that you love them. It just means, yeah, there's some things about you I don't necessarily care about. There's, there's some things about you that I don't love. And, and just to give you an illustration of that, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because that would be a little awkward. But um, if I were to sit all of you down and I were to ask you, do you love your family, your immediate family, your extended family? I believe it's safe to say that the overwhelming majority of us would say, yes, I love my family. I, I love my immediate family. I love my extended family. Uh, I would die for my family. I would do anything I could for my family. But then if I asked you, do you love everything about your family? You would pause and you would have to say, no, I don't love everything about my family. And then you would go on to point out some of the little nuances and the little uh, changes within your family that you're not comfortable with. Some of you would say, you know, my, my family is a great family, but they're too hard on people or they're too easy on people. They're not forgiving or they're too forgiving. Uh, I, I love my family because they're really loud, but I, I really do not like my family because some Sometimes they can be offensive. And you would find a lot of things that you would say, I don't love about my family, but at the end of the day, I love my family. Husbands, <laughs> let me just ask you. I mean, how many of you love your wives? Don't show your hands, please. But you, you love your wife. You love her. But if I were to ask you, do you love everything about your wife? I'm sure that at that point you would begin to just say, well, no, there's some things. And ladies, wives here today, if I were to ask you, do you love your husband? You would say, I love my husband. I adore my husband. He's wonderful. And then if I asked you, do you love everything about your husband? You would say, did I mention I love my husband? You know, you just wouldn't fill in the blanks there. But we just know, and that's what makes love grand, isn't it? That's what makes love wonderful. If you are loved today, you know that you are loved in spite of who you are. The, you, you, the, the beauty of being loved is that you know that the love of others covers some of those things in your life that are annoying. Some of those things that you know would push others away. Their love covers, as the Bible says, a multitude of sins. Their love for you covers up some of those differences and some of those nuances. And it causes you to rise above those things that you don't necessarily agree with. And if you've loved someone that deeply, you know what that's like as well. That your love covers some of those differences, some of those nuances about them. And, and every once in a while, they kind of get under your skin, but your love for them covers those things. And that's the beauty of the love of God. Now, I know some of you are probably at this point saying, well, I don't know if I agree with that, Pastor Kirk, because there's always one in the crowd that thinks they're more spiritual than me. 
I'm just being honest with you. And, and there, there'll always be that one. I just think that's very uh, shallow, Pastor Kurt. I think that that is so naive. If you really love someone, then you love everything about them. Really? Really? I mean, do you really believe that? I know it sounds good in theory, but I don't even know that the Bible teaches that. Okay, what, what you're saying, I believe, is humanly impossible. And I believe that the Bible bears that out. Consider what Paul said about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Love thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Now, I would submit to you that if there were no issues, no obstacles, no hindrances that we had to overcome in any of our relationships, then Paul would have never used the words that he did here today. He says, love suffers long. By definition, that would mean that there are some things I'm going to have to suffer long through in my relationships. Amen? Love is not provoked or easily provoked, which by definition would mean that in my relationships, there are going to be things that can provoke me. But love does not allow me to become provoked. Love thinks no evil, which by definition would mean that there are going to be issues within my relationships that if I just think about it in my own carnal mind, I'm going to have evil thoughts about. But love will not allow me to. Love bears all things, which means obviously there are going to be things in every relationship that I'm going to have to bear with. It believes all things, which means that there are things in every relationship that would cause me to doubt Love hopes all things, which obviously means that there are going to be situations in every relationship that seem hopeless, but love gives me hope. Love endures all things, which obviously tells me that there are things I'm going to have to endure, but I can because of love that is within my heart. And the only reason I say that is because when we say I love my church, that doesn't mean that we love everything about our church. Listen, I'm the pastor here, I love our church, but I don't love everything about our church. You know, I know that we blow it many times. I know that we fall short of some of the promises that we make. I know that we have dropped the ball, I understand that. I'm actually probably more sensitive to those things than even you are or you think that I am. Because I think that there's a lot of people that think that I don't grieve over those shortcomings, but I do. You'll never know some of the things that we say in our staff meeting. I'm very aware of the times that we've dropped the ball. And, and I, I can't even begin to tell you the times that we've been in our staff meetings. And, and I've heard some of our shortcomings. And I get very overwhelmed to the point where I don't even know where to start. I'm sensitive to those things. And not only am I sensitive to the church failures, but I'm sensitive to my own failures. I know that I've made a lot of mistakes as a pastor. I know that I haven't always been a good pastor. I know that I haven't always been a reliable pastor. I know that I've made my share of mistakes. And if you are a victim to any of my shortcomings or my mistakes, I ask you to forgive me. And just know that it was never done intentionally. I'm a human being just like anybody else, and I do make mistakes. And I would ask you to forgive me, even as you in Christ Jesus have been forgiven of your sin. 
you know, that's, that's why I love our, our church. Because we believe in asking for forgiveness. And we also believe in forgiving one another. And that even as we have been forgiven in Christ and we know that our past will never be brought up to us again, at Bethel we strive never to bring up your past, but to leave it under the blood of Jesus Christ once it's been forgiven in Jesus' mighty name. We love our church for the glory of the Lord. Now, I also like this title because of that one key word, my. I love my church. Can I tell you that I believe one of the greatest obstacles that has to be overcome in a church community is moving people from your church to my church. From move, moving people from it's my parents' church, it's my son's church, it's my daughter's church, it's my family's church, it's my parents' church, it's the pastor's church, it's the deacon or the elder's church, and to get people to say, this is my church, that I am involved in it. And I think that the greatest way to make that transition is to actually begin to participate in what we do, to have some skin in the game. We want to move people from just spectators on Sunday morning to those who are actively engaged in what's going on. Because you know as well as I do, after a while, if all you are is a spectator, you'll complain. You'll, You'll find fault. I mean, think about who are the experts of the game of football. It's not the people on the field. It's not the players and the coaches. It's the armchair quarterbacks that sit and watch the games every week, right? Am I right? They're the ones that know everything about the game. They're the ones that tell the coaches what they should be doing and the players the routes that they should be running. Am I right? I mean, that's just the way it is. And if all you are is a spectator, it's easy to find fault. It's easy to find all of the shortcomings and mistakes. We want you not to be a spectator. We want you to be a player. We want you to get involved. We want you to be a part of what the Lord is doing. And that is why we do I Love My Church Sunday. The one Sunday in the course of the year that we just say, listen, we need your help. We need you to get involved. And here are the areas of ministry that you can be involved in. You know, sometimes we forget what God is capable of doing when the members of a faith community are all actively involved. Sometimes we just need to be reminded what is possible if all of us would be participants in what God is doing in any local church. And I want to read this portion of scripture to you. And I don't have any uh, PowerPoint here today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me and you can share with someone that maybe does not have a Bible. But would you open them very quickly to the book of Acts, the book of Acts And we're going to look at chapter number 4 and verse number 32. And I'm reading this out of the English Standard Version this morning just because I liked the reading of it a little better than the New King James. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. It isn't going to change that much so you won't be able to follow with me. But just listen to this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. 
For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, when you read those verses, there's a lot of standouts within it. But the one part of that portion of Scripture that really intrigues me and just blesses me is this. There was not a needy person among them. Now, you think about that. In the first century church in the city of Jerusalem, they eradicated need. Can you imagine attending a church where there was no one in need? That everyone's need had been taken care of. And yet that is exactly what the Bible says about the church in Jerusalem. They eradicated need in a very short amount of time. And we would think, well, how did they do that? How could you eradicate need? And I'll show you right from Scripture. The people that had more than what they needed, simply recognizing, I don't need this, went and sold what they had need of, and it wasn't mandated by the church, but they just felt compelled by the Spirit to do this because it was the right thing. It was the just thing to do. They sold what they did not need, and rather than keeping it for themselves, they then took it to the church leadership, the apostles, and they said, you distribute this within the church as anyone has need. And in a very short amount of time, all of the need was gone. Thank you for that one amen. It is amazing because most of us know we have more than we need, but we're not about to get rid of it. We just keep building bigger houses and bigger barns and bigger silos to keep all the stuff we don't need anymore. We have to ask ourselves, do we want to be a church that pleases God or are we going to be a church that doesn't please the Lord? If they truly had more than what they needed, they sold the excess and gave it so that need was eradicated. Now, this is a hot topic in the United States of America right now. And there's a lot of discussion. So I need to say a few things just so that no one misunderstands what the Bible is saying. First of all, this was not communal living. This was not everybody selling everything that they had and bringing it in the church and then the church just distributing so it's all a level playing ground. That's not it. It wasn't socialism. It wasn't communism. It wasn't Marxism. It wasn't anything like that at all. Nor was it subsidized income. The church does not exist so that you can live beyond your means and then the church will pick up the rest of the tab. Okay, that's not what this is about. It's not even a concept of redistribution of wealth. This is not about that everyone should be equal. This is not what the Bible is teaching us either. And for those of you that struggle with that concept, let me just remind you, the same portion of Scripture that says that we need to hear the cry of the poor is the same Scriptures that say, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. We have a mandate in Scripture to come alongside the poor who are a poor of no fault of their own. But we have discipline for the lazy. Come on. I thought I'd get a better amen out of that. Okay? We have a responsibility to minister to people who are impoverished because of circumstances that were outside of their own. But how we deal with laziness, that's another story. We might help somebody get on their feet, 
But if they refuse to work, if they refuse to try to do anything to better themselves, that's another story. And that's not, and I want you to understand that that was the driving force here in the early church is that there were people that were impoverished simply because of the days they lived in. And there were others that were very wealthy and they just said, you know what, why should I hold on to what I don't need when there's people right here who are striving but they don't have what they need? I need to help them out. And in doing that, they eradicated all the need. Now, Let's take that out of the, just the income for a moment because that's one part of it. It's everything in our lives. Do you know that everything that you have doesn't really belong to you? It belongs to God Almighty. And he gave it to you to be used as he wills. And that was what was beautiful. The church didn't see anything that they had as belonging to them. They saw it belonging to God and they said, Lord, therefore I am free to use that for your will to be done. And in that they eradicated need within their fellowship. Could we alleviate all the need within this church if everyone would just be willing to give what they have? Listen, your breath belongs to the Lord. Your money belongs to the Lord. Your talent belongs to the Lord. Your ability belongs to the Lord. Your strength belongs to the Lord. And what God is saying to us today is, there are needs within this fellowship that can easily be met if you would just give these talents, these resources to the church and allow the need to be dealt with properly in Jesus' name. It's amazing to me that a church would have any need for workers, need for muscle. In a church our size, that should be no problem. It's just that many people do not want to give those things away. I was just thinking about time, and I was, I was very convicted of this myself. Because a lot of times we will say, man, I just don't have enough time. I, don't, I wish I had some more time because I just don't have enough time to do these things. I would love to help serve. I just don't have enough time. I would love to get involved. I just don't have enough time. Really? Because this was in my heart. Because I've said that too. Today, millions of Americans and Christians will park themselves in front of a TV and for the next four hours will watch a football game. Now, I plan to watch it myself. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching the Super Bowl. What I'm saying is, it is a lie to say I don't have enough time when I can park myself in front of a TV and for the next four hours watch pigskin be tossed around. You understand what I'm saying? Most of us will come home, the first thing we do when we get home from work is plop in front of the TV. And we will then spend time, we think it is just kind of, uh, we're just kind of relaxing. No, you're wasting time. You know, we'll do what we, we have all the time for what we want to do. That is excess time. If you can watch a football game, if you can watch a movie, if you can, that's excess time. And what God says is, there's needs over here in the church. Why don't you sell the wasted time and use it for my glory and for my kingdom? Come on, say amen or ouch. I mean, it's a reality. So that's what 
I love my church Sundays all about is just getting people to, to recognize that we all have more than what we need. It's just that we don't manage it the proper way. And it's now saying there are needs within this church and we can very simply eradicate need by just simply using all that God has given us to bless those who really have it for the glory and the honor of Almighty God. You know, there's one more thing I, I want to share with you before I go into these. Um, I think it's interesting. In verse 33, it says that the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ with great power. Presumably, that was by working miracles because the Bible says that he would confirm the word that was spoken with signs following. So this with great power, it just means that while they were communicating the gospel, they were also raising the dead and healing the sick, giving confirmation to the word that was being spoken. But it's in the very next verse that it says that men and women eradicated need by selling what they had and bringing the proceeds to the church. And it was as if the Lord was reminding me of something that we need to always remember. And that is that there are many things that only God can do. Listen, there are many things that only God, only God can save the lost. Only God can heal the sick. Only God can deliver the bound. Amen? We, we're settled on that. We know that if God doesn't heal someone, they're not going to be healed. We know that if God does not deliver someone from the depths of their sin, they're never going to be delivered completely. We know that if God doesn't save the lost, then they're never going to be saved. Only God can do that. But there are many things we can do. We can give our talents, our abilities, our resources to eradicating need right here. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll pray for a miracle instead of seeing the miracle is what I already have in my hand. Come on, let's be honest. If somebody comes up to me and they're telling me of a financial burden that they are in right now, and I have that money myself, it is a blasphemous act to look at them and say, I'll be praying for you. God's saying, you have the money. You be the answer to the prayer. But I worked hard for the money. (laughs) Who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the job? Come on, talk to me, folks. I mean, it doesn't belong to you. We don't always do that, but when we feel the prompting of the Lord, we need to do it. And it's a lot of times, it's just so heartbreaking to God when we have the means to help meeting needs And instead, we defer to prayer and ask for a miracle. God says, no, no, no. The miracle is getting what's in your hand over to my hand and letting me bless that person through you in Jesus' name. That is what I love my church is all about. It's about you recognizing needs that are within this body and saying, you know what? I have the time. I have the resources. I have the creativity to be a part of these things and to help for the glory and the honor of Almighty God. So, with that in mind, I want you all right now, just very quickly, to take out this. Now, you should have all received this when you came out. And ushers, if you would come out and start handing out 
the other cards. And I'm going to ask that the cards that are being distributed right now, no one would fill anything out until I, I, I kind of release you to do that, which will be in a few minutes now. But the ushers are going to come, and they're going to distribute the cards that I was holding up through my little talk here. But right now, I want to draw your attention to this. This is just something that the staff put together this year. It's a little catalog of all of the ministries that we currently have at Bethel and a little description with them. I'm not going to go through them with you today, but... Um, It's broken down into the five purposes of the church, as we talked about in the video. Gather, grow, give, go, and glorify. And it just gives you a little brief description, one sentence that's there. And this is for those of you that are newer to the church and you really don't know about our ministries. You don't have to fill out anything today. You can if you want to. But if if you're just new to the church, you might want to just take this and the card that we just gave you, and take it home and pray about it, and after reading, then bring this back next week. And you can. You can bring it back next week, and you can put it in the offering as it's being taken, or you can take it back to the uh, uh, hospitality center, okay? Because we want to do our best to get everyone connected. But right now, what I'd like to do, and the, the guys are almost done distributing, is I'd like you to take this card. Take this card right now. And turn it to the back where a list of all of the ministries are. And there's a place where you can fill out your personal information as well. Okay? And I know that some of you are still getting yours. When you get it, just turn it to the back where all of the ministries are here. I wish that I had time to go through every single one of them. I'll mention them all by name, but I'm not going to have time to go through every single one of them. I just can't do it. I only want to highlight a few that we know are in need right now. And, and we're, we're good. In most of these ministries, we have enough help, but it would be very hard for us to move forward unless we had more help. You understand what I mean? So there's some of these I really need to highlight for you. So if you're a ministry leader and I don't really talk about yours, please don't be offended. It's not because I have my pets. It's just because there are some that I have to really make sure that we cover a little bit uh, deeper. Let's go to gather. Right at the very beginning, you'll see gather. And you might want to just make a little note of that. These are our connect ministries. These are the ministries that we are using to do our best to connect people to our church quickly. Okay? Many of you know this. I say this almost every year at this time. Many of you know, many of you may not know, that the average person coming to church, if you need a pen, you can raise your hand up. Somebody will bring you a pen. Many of you know that the average person coming to church, okay, will make their decision whether they're coming back. This is a first-time guest. The average first-time guest coming to a church will have made their decision of whether they're going to come back a second time within the first seven minutes of driving on to the campus, It sounds really strange to us because you would think that it would go by what's happening here. No, they judge what's happening here by what's happened the first seven minutes of driving on to the campus. Now understand it. That's not seven minutes the minute that they walk through the door. When the the clock starts ticking is when they drive into the parking lot. They're already looking at our facility. They're already judging us by all of those exterior things. 
And so we are committed to making those first seven minutes the best seven minutes of their entire week. And we need your help for it. Let's look at it. Check in. I'm not going to take a long time with that. But check in. How many of you have children that you bring to Children's Church every Sunday? Let me see your hands, okay? A number of you. We have more in the second service. But um, we check in all of our children over on the old side of the church. And we do that for security purposes, obviously. And we have a nice system. We're actually going to be upgrading that this year. Our hope is that in short order, we're going to move all of our check-ins to a tablet-based check-in where you can self-check in your children and it'll eliminate those lines. But we really need help in that in getting our children processed and into our uh, Sunday school and our children's church area. Next is Cornerstone Cafe. Let me ask, how many of you... On, you know, on a regular basis, go into our cafe and get a cup of coffee or a donut or a bagel. Let me see your hands if you regularly go or if you have gone, number of you. Do you know that on average, we serve about 100 men and women every Sunday in our small little cafe? Do you know how many people we have work in the cafe right now? Four. Four people right now are taking the cafe in both services. And that doesn't mean that they're all there at the same time. Typically, it's about two that are there. We really need help. That is an incredible ministry because that's where guests go. Guests go right in there to get a cup of coffee. This is an opportunity for you to connect. It's not just about serving you know, donuts and bagels and coffee. It is about connecting with men and women. And it is a great place to connect. So we really could use your help in there. We need greeters. And our greeters are the ones that you meet when you first come in and they hand out a bulletin. We're trying to get them out of just um, program distribution. We want them to smile. We want them to say, is this your first time with us? And if it is, to actually take them where they need to go so that they know where everything is. This is guest service. We need greeters. Hospitality. This is our hospitality table. When you first come in, it is the nerve center of the church on Sunday morning because that's where we filter everybody for questions. My wife heads up that team. She has a great team and we always could use more because because it's not just Sunday morning, it's Sunday night, it's Wednesday night, and we want everyone to have the same experience when they walk through our doors for the glory and the honor of God. Parking, this is a new one. We've never done parking before. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not that we need people that park cars, although that we pray that that is a problem. The beginning of this year, I don't know if you knew, but we broke the 1,000 mark. And there was no place to park. And so there are times when we're going to need people to direct individuals where to park. But more than that, remember the seven-minute rule. We want someone out in the parking lot to welcome people as they come in. Because we want that seven minutes. Everybody say seven minutes. We want that seven minutes to be so powerful. So we're looking for people to stand Um, there's a back entrance here. I don't know how many of you know that. We want one there. We want one up near the top here on the main entrance that just welcome people as they come in. 
because it makes a difference. Um, and of course, our ushers, our ushers do a wonderful job, and we always, always need more ushers. Now listen, this is for everybody, but for those of you that are newer to Bethel, this is a great um, set of ministries to be involved in because it gets you to meet people for the first time. And if you're trying to mingle and get to know, this is an opportunity. So consider those ministries. Now let's move down to give. Giving ministries are our service-based ministries. And there's several here. I'm going to just talk about them briefly. Twelve baskets full. This is kind of floundered for a little while. And I, I'm going to be honest. And it's not because we don't have good leadership. It's just we, we really have had to try to redefine this. Twelve baskets full is a ministry that is designed to prepare meals for families that are in a time of crisis. Um, someone had to go to the hospital for an extended time. Someone passed away, and we want to minister to their family. You may go weeks, months without hearing a phone call because you know that just kind of comes in waves. You just never know. But it's good to have a list of people that would be willing to make a meal for a family in a time of crisis so that when a crisis does come, we can pick up a phone and we can know that you'll make that meal and you'll either deliver it or in some cases you can just bring it right in here and that family will come and pick it up. But that is something that you could be a part of. We have deaf interpretation. We have a kitchen ministry that is always preparing for various activities that we have here. Security is one that I want to draw your attention to. You know, every single Sunday and every single Wednesday, there are men and women that are roaming these halls, that are walking outside, that are constantly monitoring to make sure that everything is safe and secure as best we can. Listen, if a, if a person wants to do a bad thing, there's very little we can do to stop it. But we're going to do everything we can do and then we're going to trust God for the rest, okay? That's how we look at it. Your children's safety is very important to us. That's why basically that other end is locked down um, because we really want to make sure your children are protected. We want people that are, are wise, people that are very watchful to be a part of it. And, you know, you heard Rob on the, uh, uh, on the screen that he's never had to tackle anybody yet and everything. We haven't had any incident like that, and we're praying we never do. But it's more than just being big and strong. It is about being watchful. It's about being vigilant and really paying attention to everything that is going on around us. And we got a great team, but we can always use some more help with that. Let's go down to a transportation team. I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but on average, we have between 25 and 30 people that are bussed in here every single Sunday. We have vans that run and, and bring these men and women in and these families in, and we need more drivers. So if you are willing to drive a van for us, um, we would love for you to participate in that and help bring, because everyone should have a ride to church if they really want to come in Jesus' name. Our Go Ministries, these are our evangelistic ministries. We have a community kitchen. Every month we have a, a, a lunch in our cafe for anyone in the community that is in need, and it has brought a many people into the church. God's Hand Extended is our food pantry that's served right out of one of these closets here, and we serve hundreds of families every single month 
right out of that little closet. And if you'd like to be a part of it, and there's so many things that you can do to be a part of that ministry. We have a jail ministry here. We have various outreaches through the course of the year. Um, Back to school, um, trunk or treat, other events that we do. We'd like to just have a list of people that say, listen, when you're doing an outreach, give me a call. If I have time, I will certainly give it to you. Vacation Bible School. We've never really talked about this before, but do you know that last summer we averaged 293 kids in our Vacation Bible School? And we need help with that. And my prayer is that maybe throwing this out this early, some of you would say, you know what? I'm going to take a week of my vacation and I'm going to come in and work with our children because they're worth my investment in their hearts and in their lives. Um, Visitation, new ministry that is going to begin. It is a ministry to nursing homes and to shut-ins. And if you would love to be a part of that, let us know. Some will be in contact with you because we want to minister to those individuals as well. Go with me to Grow now. These are our discipleship ministries, and they're mostly children and students. But understand that we have adult discipleship on Sunday night as well. But these are the opportunities for you to get involved with our children. Do you know that on average we have roughly 200 children that are meeting on the other side? while we're in here. Now, obviously, that's between the two services, but it's rounding up a little bit. We have about 200 children. Children need more than babysitters. They need committed men and women of God speaking into their hearts and in their lives. And I'm going to give you a couple statistics here in a moment, but let me just go through them. All God's children is a very special branch of our children's ministry here because it's for special needs children. And they have a wonderful ministry. David and Lisa Barklow, um, they are training people to help deal with some of these issues that have come in. But we have had a number of families that have joined Bethel simply because we're one of very few churches that actually provide ministry for special needs. But those children need Jesus as well, and they need the love of God. So we want you to consider being a part of that. Bethel Kids is our Sunday morning program. Catalyst Student Ministries is our youth ministry. Um, Kids Night Out. Is that right? Catalyst is youth. Yeah, Catalyst is youth. Kids Night Out is um, our Sunday night program. We're one of those churches that, you know, I, I know that we're kind of one of the holdouts Most churches just do Sunday morning now. That's all they do. We still do Sunday night. We still do Wednesday night. And we do it because we know that everybody's schedule is different. We want to give you the opportunity. But with that, we have to take care of our children as well. And we'd like you to consider helping us on our kids' night out great direction they're going in. Impact Girls Ministry is our girls ministry on Wednesday night. Nursery is in every one of our services. Do you know that we have on average 30 babies in our nursery every single week in a very small room? Royal Rangers is our our, our boys ministry on Wednesday night. And we take care of a lot of children. I'm thankful. But here's why it's so important. I got two statistics here. One of them I'm sure most of you have heard. One of them I'm pretty sure very few of you, if any of you, have ever heard. I only heard it a couple of weeks ago, and it blew me away. This first statistic is one that most of you are familiar with. Did you know that statistically, and again, statistics I know, 
they can go either way. But statistically, through the years, we've discovered that right now, 70%, 70% of students will walk away from their faith within 10 years of graduating from high school. 70%. That means that of the 200 students that come to our student ministries right now, 140 of them will fall away within 10 years of graduating from high school. That's not acceptable, folks. That, wow. That's not acceptable. I don't know if anybody else would. That's just, you know, and we have no control over what they do, but we need to be doing everything we can to secure that that doesn't happen. And what's interesting is that in research and in talking to students that have come up through church and have stayed into their adult years, trying to find out what was different about their experience, they have isolated two main differences, just two. There's two things you can do to minimize that. Number one is a student having two adult uh, mentors or friends inside of the church that they're not related to. Mom and dad, you're important in your child's development in Christ, no doubt about it. But it's not as big a factor in them staying connected as it is in having two other adults in the church that they really have um, gotten to know and that those individuals have spent time with them. And those of you that have come up through church, how many of you just very quickly can identify at least two or three men or women that were instrumental in your developmental years in keeping you walking with the Lord? I can name a bunch of them, actually. It makes a difference. That's why being involved in children's ministry is so important because you can become a friend to those children. You can become a mentor to them and make a difference. You know what the second thing that they discovered? Getting children involved in ministry made a difference. And and looking for ways to get them into ushering. How many of you would like to have some ushers that are kids? I think that would be great. I mean, some of you don't think that that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. We need our kids to be involved in those things. Do you know that those two things, two adults in their life as mentors or friends, and getting them involved in ministry as kids will reduce it to 25%. That is stunning. That's the one I had never heard of. You always hear him talk about 70% of our children are falling away from the Lord, you know, within 10 years of graduating from high school. But no one ever says, but you can minimize it to 25% by just investing in their lives, being friends with those children, and actually getting them involved in ministry. We need your help in investing our children. It's not just about us coming in here and getting blessed. It's about being a blessing to our kids. Can you say amen to that? In Jesus' name. All right. Listen, let's go down now to glorify. We'll wrap this up really quickly. This is our worship ministries. This is basically Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Camera and webcast. Do you know that on average, we have 50 people that are watching this service on the, on the website? And I don't know how many of you know, but we've actually changed some things up. We now have three robotic cameras that are strategically 
um, placed here in the sanctuary. I don't know how many of you have noticed it, but we have really upgraded our camera because we wanted a really good signal, and uh, it's working wonderful. On average, there are 50 people that are watching us any given Sunday, and at least another 13 on average that watch us during the course of the week by going into our archives. We need your help back there. We need a lot of help. So if you can help us with that, we would love it. We'll train you. We'll get you involved in that as quickly as possible. CD ministry, we need people that will help us reproduce CDs after our services. Obviously, our choir does a wonderful, wonderful job. We love to have you be a part of them. Computer and media, they're the ones that put up our graphics. Um, They're the ones that show the videos and all of that. We would love you to be a part of that team. Lighting team that just oversees our lights. Sound, obviously. Special music. Video announcements and team. How many of you love our announcement video and how that's growing? They're doing a wonderful job and and, uh, it's just great to see the fresh faces. Listen, if there is some hidden talent in here and you would love to get up and help us with those announcements, we would love to have you come and be a part of it. Now, be advised that we're going to audition everyone because not everyone should be up on that announcement video. I'm just being honest with you, all right? So if your feelings are going to get hurt, if we say no, don't sign up, okay? But if you'd like to, we'd love to have you be a part of that. But not only do we need the, the actors and the actresses, if you will, that are up here on the video, but we need people to help us write the announcements. We need some creative uh, juice going to look for other ways of communicating and not just one standard fare. So if you'd like to help in any of that, with writing, with some of the creative part, with being on the video, we would love you to be a part of that ministry. Just sign up and let us know about that. And then obviously is our worship team. And how many of you thank the Lord for all of the ministry teams that we have here at Bethel and all that they do? Amen? So listen, that's just some of our ministries here at Bethel that you can be a part of. Now here's what we'd like you to do. At the top it says... Please circle three ministries that you would consider serving in. The reason that we always say three is because we want some options there. Um, Because it may be that you don't fit in one of those. And we just want some other options that are available. And what we'd like you to do is just simply circle three. Now, if you're already involved in a ministry, people always ask me, well, no, I do. I'm already in a ministry. If you're already in one and you want to stay in that one, just circle it. And that'll be the end of the discussion. But there may be some of you that say, you know what, I'm doing this one, but it doesn't take a lot of my time. So maybe I want to try a couple of others. Or maybe there's one, I've done it for a while, and I'm not going to really do that the next season of my life. I'd like to try something else. That's kind of what this Sunday is all about. We don't want you to feel like you're a prisoner to it. We want you to be a part of it and enjoy what you do for the glory of the Lord. So I'm going to pray. And then I just want all of you to just, that, that are ready to do it. If you're not, like I said, if you promise to bring it back next week, take these with you, pray about it, and bring it back and put it in the offering or take it to the hospitality uh, table, and they will take care of it. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to get these, we're going to process them, and then someone within the next week or two weeks will contact you from these ministries And they'll set up a time to talk to you 
about your level of interest, give you some information, and that's how we just do it. And this is the one time of the year that we do these things for the glory of the Lord. So I'm going to have a word of prayer. Billy, I'm going to ask if you would just come give us some mood music. (laughs) And um, I'm just going to release you to sign those things. Put all your information at the bottom so that we know. And please, print. Do not write. Because some of you have terrible penmanship. I hate telling you that. But we just don't know who you are, okay? So print it legibly so that we can contact you. Father, guide us. I know this is a different Sunday. And I thank you, Lord, for the patience of everyone that's here. Because, Lord, this hasn't always been the most exciting stuff. But we're excited about what you're doing here. And this is that one time of the year we just say, come and be a part of our team. And I pray, Lord, that we would carefully consider all of these opportunities. Do what you're leading us to do in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Fill them out really quickly. Fill them out really quickly. I'm going to dismiss you in prayer in just a moment. When you're done with them, if you would just um, bring them into the nearest aisle. Just pass them into the nearest aisle. We're going to dismiss in a moment. And, um, but if you can just pass them into the nearest aisle when you're done 